Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast, broadcast live from my living room this time. Across the, I used to say table, and then for a while we were recording at the eighth room. We'll be back there, but uh, this week, across my living room from me, I would say longtime friend, first time caller, but technically you (laughs) did my other podcast, Selective Listening, with me. Welcome to the show, Annalisa Rose. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Welcome to my humble abode. I always forget that there's like no cameras, so I'm like using my hands. Yeah. There's nothing. <laughs> I, I love podcasts, but I don't want to have to do any of the video editing. So maybe That's someday. too much work. It's too much work. Yeah. They don't need to see us. Yeah. Thank you for doing the editing, Will. You make my life easier. Yes. Appreciate you. Ah, hold on. You already did yours, I already but I forgot. So I here's, here's my beer. Yeah. Cheers. Great. Cheers. Air cheers. Oh, how the heck are you, Annalisa? You know, I'm exhausted. Why are you exhausted? What's going on? It's been a busy, uh, busy time. Been rehearsing a lot, writing a lot. You just getting, came from a right. Just came from a right out there in the Hermitage. Oof, it's a yeah, long trek. That's a that's a long ways away. <laughs> I was talking to is, uh, is I, I was talking to somebody yesterday, but it made me post on my Facebook about how like uh, you. You you can live wherever you can live. Yeah, scoot yourself. I'm gonna scoot, yeah. Make yourself I gotta, make yourself I comfy. Look right I'm, pretty at you. Su- I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like. There. I, I feel like we're at a. I this feel is like a we're in a therapy session. Right, totally. Put your <laughs> head How back. does that make you feel? <laughs> but uh, I was talking about people who live really far away. Love to say, "Oh, it's really not that far." Like I live in Goodlettsville, but like it's only like a fifteen minute drive, no traffic. And then you like type the address into Google Maps, and it says thirty five. I know. I'm not driving anywhere. It's so weird because where I'm from, you know, a six hour drive is no big deal. It's just what you do. And like I go to church in Franklin, mm-hmm. and every Sunday I'm like, man, it's thirty minutes. There's never <laughs> not traffic in this town. Yeah. You have to prepare like, hey, we're going to meet at seven. And you say, "Okay, well, I'll leave my house at five (laughs) forty (laughs) five. Right. Call like I'll call my grandma and catch up because I'll have have 45 minutes free. Totally. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a hard time living in town. For those of you who don't live here. It could be better. Could be better. The infrastructure of the town is just not prepared. Yeah. But you're exhausted, but you're alive. I'm, you're, I'm good. You're well. You've got your beanie on. I've been. You uh, look remarkably comfy. I, I really like this chair. That's a nice life. You should have. Um, this is how you should have your podcast always. I think so. Yeah. I think for all of my future tour stop shows, I should just have big leather chairs. <laughs> <laughs> just like that's how the rounds. Uh, the will only be. thing. Uh, pass me one of them blankies over there. Oh yes, the uh, <laughs> the, the blanket yeah, here. here. Are you cold? I mean, I want to get comfortable. There you here. go. Thank yeah, you. that's my drug rug blanket. That's uh, That's been one of my go-tos for a long time. I got that in Cozumel. Did you actually? I actually did. Nice. I got that when I was like, uh, I think I got it when I was like 21 or something, 2021. 20, but uh, what's going on? I don't on? even want to know where it's been. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on in your world uh, other than all of the music stuff, which we'll get to, but uh, we haven't... We haven't gotten to just do this in a while. I know. Well, I was wondering if we were just going to just do usual, like, we're just I think we're just going to bullshit. Or are we going to do like a, a would you rather segment or Ooh. some bullshit? Oh, we could do that. I don't. Yeah. So what we're getting at here Off is script. I haven't prepared. <laughs> well, no, no, it's not even that. I like I did. I oh. should have come in with a lot of questions. I mean, for I don't you. I don't prepare for any. All of I these. did was bring you a pan. <laughs> I would so much rather just. <laughs> chit chat because 
I, I love listening to podcasts that are like structured and the ones that have like hard interview questions. Yeah. And I always try to ask a couple of pertinent questions, but for the most part, I just want to hear about what's going on. Okay. So let's see you, you work over at the local. Still, still working at the local. Um, it's I'm, my feet are starting to grow into the floor, I think. Right. So what's it like listening to music like that every night? Or do you, do you work always in the evenings or do you work the, I, the daytime? I usually work always evenings and I've gotten to see some really, really cool stuff. That's I've gotten, great. you know, over the last like two and a half years that I've been there, I've seen the coolest songwriters. I've seen the coolest shit. And I've also seen some of the worst music yep. imaginable. That's one thing I love that when I go to over there to hang out with you specifically, I don't go there generally just to like, I'm going to sit and <laughs> see what's going on, even though it's the closest bar to my house. I usually go to hang out with you, right. and I always text you first, asking right. if you're if, working. Yeah, I gotta let you know what's going on. Um, but we've got that knowing glance when mm-hmm. you hear a song, and you're like, you take your ears out, and I say, "What?" We speak telepathically. <laughs> <laughs> there's, and it's not just the local. Like, there's, there's some of the top notch talent in that bar, but there are some, some venues in town, and I guess it's really all of them at some point where you see someone who's clearly like slipped through, right? The, the whatever you want to call it, the gate. It's yeah. Sometimes I wonder like, did no one vet these people? Like mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta look at, you know, creep on them before you book them or something. Yeah. And I really don't like to dog on people, but we're all at different stages in our careers. And some people just, as my uh, college guitar teacher used to say, just have the most room to grow. Right. And I support that. Just do it before you move here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm not one to talk. I think I played like 75 shows before I moved here. Just doing like open mics and solo shows. And you really do get your stage legs just cutting your teeth. Right. Doing anything. You should try to. I mean, there are people who move here having never performed and never having like released music. And there's there's so much before success that people think is just going to happen. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I moved to Nashville. I'll be famous next year. Uh-uh. <laughs> There's a lot of legwork before that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll, we're, we'll never know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the chances of you and I uh, both making it together. I think we peaked in high school. I mean, after, I the, after this podcast, I don't know. We might both be famous. It's true. So this could be the one, one thing I noticed right before we started recording is uh, I must make special note of the episode number. I am a child <laughs> and this is episode 69. Hey! And uh, I am is, so honored. It's 420 somewhere. Blaze. Clank. Clank. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this is Annalisa Rose and I am the honored guest of I'm, episode 69. I should have planned something like some, some goofy games or something. Oh, geez. This is a testament to how, uh, how, how we I, are immature. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I keep pretty pretty on top of my work for the most part, but there's some things that just slip by, and podcast episode numbers rarely are the things that I'm super focused on. <sighs> well, I, I mean, guess, it's it's only downhill from here. Yes, it's only the downhill next, from here, it, so I've got to get to episode 100. That's yeah, a mile mark. That's going to be the only cool Everything one. between 100 and 420 won't matter. Right. <laughs> So I feel I feel very very special right now. I'll make it to episode 100 this year, so I should probably start planning for that. Mm-hmm. Mm. So plan that person accordingly. Yeah, yeah. I I think we did this when you did the other podcast, but for the people who might not have heard that, would you tell the story of how me and you met, if you remember? 
now that you just said that, I'm like panicking. You're like, oh shit, I don't know how we, I don't think I remember how, how we How did we met. initially meet? I don't remember. Is this bad? Is, I are, really, I are don't know. Are we bad like, friends? <laughs> I consider, I truly, I tell people this, I truly consider you like one of my better guy friends in this yes. town. Like I, I, I love you, dude. And you're one of those friendships though that it's a little hazy <laughs> like, you know i bet we could go back in like the tour stop dms and, and find, find when i like whoever dm'd the other first right. i feel like it was probably me it probably at, was like, i probably like, was it's like most i want to play the behind performer. the shower curtain yeah. help me i mean that's why i love my job though is because i've made all of my best friends in nashville through it mm-hmm. i mean i'm friends with one person who i didn't make friends with at Torstot, John Hollier is one of my only buddies who I met who was before. Like an original, yeah. Yeah, he and I met at a Riders Round in uh, I think it was fall of 2017. So it was like long before Torstop existed, and that was down at the 404 Bar and Grill near Nolansville. And he just played, and I played, and then there was nobody in the bar, and we got a good laugh out of like, "Damn, okay, nobody's here." Yeah, you want to have a beer? He goes, "Yes." That's just the great you know, equalizer. It was probably alcohol. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like somebody invited me onto your round at Belcourt. Yeah, that would have been 2020. You moved. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I do know exactly where we met. I remember. Okay. Tennessee Brew Works. Oh, duh. We're That's idiots. 100% Why, how, how we, we met. Not, are we drunk? Yeah, we'll think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we will be. No, yeah, you were reading a book. That is 100% how we met. I'm so stupid. See, we we did it. We came through there. Yeah, cut all of that out. <laughs> <laughs> cut all of that portion. Yeah, so we met at Tennessee Brew Works. You were bartending there at the time because you had just moved to town, right? Yeah, that was my first job in town. Yeah, you moved here when in 2020? Mm, March-ish of 2020. Yikers. And Great time to move. Yeah. So did like, you move before town, the shutdown? Nashville was shut down when I got here. And so I didn't like wasn't able to work right away. And then um, the brewery hired me. So you started yeah. moving to town without a job. I had been like I hired I was hired up front before I'd moved, but then like the brewery shut closed. down. So I was just waiting. So your first three months in town were just like well I, I sat in like <laughs> me and Melissa Ferret sat and just wrote songs and were hammered like What else is there to do? No, that was it. <laughs> so what did you do that during those sweet three months of nothing? Uh I was living in a barn loft. In mm-hmm. like near Leaper's Fork, and we were renting it from a hit songwriter that we reached out to, and he was kind enough to like let us crash there. And then we we didn't really have any other plans because we had no money. Yep. We had no money to get a place, so we just kind of let us. We're broke, you know, be squatters in this barn for a while. <laughs> um, and then we ended up renovating a farmhouse. That's cool. Yeah. Just two girls living at Home Depot. <laughs> like one of the only places that was open. Yeah. Because everyone was doing like home projects and yeah, shit. They're, we're stuck at home. Yeah. And then you realize because you're there all the time, you're like, oh, I actually kind of right. should fix all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That drain that's been slow running for three <laughs> months. I guess I could fix that now. Right. What else do I have to do? We We learned how to do a lot of stuff. Really? Yeah. I learned how to cook quite a bit better than uh, than I ever did before. I was a frozen pizza, instant mac and cheese guy. And I kind (laughs) of, I kind of got better at cooking, but 
the thing that I did the most of, I had a series on Instagram called Waka Waka, where I would just go on long walks through town. Oh, okay. And I think it was like from March through maybe like August when shows started picking up again, because I was doing one show a week at Belcourt Taps through that summer. So I was really doing nothing the other six days of the week because it only took 10 minutes to ask six people to play. Right. But the other six days of the week, I would go for walks. And between whatever it was, March and sometime in August, September, I think I walked almost 700 miles. Like I was, I was doing 25 miles a day. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I lived over in East Nashville by Moss Tacos. And I would walk from there over to Belcourt Taps in Midtown, which is uh, several miles between East Nashville and gosh. That's that's, kind of a tough route. Yeah, it is. I've learned that. Yeah. It's a lot of walking on roads that don't have sidewalks. Right. You're kind of, it's kind of an adventure. Take your chances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I would do that. And then one day I walked from my apartment in East to Belcourt. Then I walked from Belcourt to the Grand Old Opry. (laughs) Jeez. And... (laughs) way way deep east and that was uh that was the day i think i did like 28 miles or something skinny as shit like i had a backpack that i put a one of those big like freezer ice bags Mm -hmm. in so it was an insulated backpack and i would put water and food into it and just walk and it takes a long time to walk a marathon Uh, yeah It, it was i would get up at like nine and just start walking then i'd get home at nine when it was dark i didn't know we shared this love because like i've done like two very long distance like hiking trips in europe really yeah i had no idea yeah. tell me about that I, let's get into it when was the first one uh i was 20 which it was the first time i'd ever been overseas and so i was really stoked because i knew that i could drink that's and, <laughs> yes because the the age over there I was is like 18 freshly, right yeah well they don't they don't know they care. don't yeah we're the only country that cares. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was freshly 20 and like, it's just a child. And, um, a baby. I went to France, Spain and Portugal on that trip. And we did a, a pilgrimage. It's like been around for thousands of years where you walk from Chartres, France to Paris. That's cool. And I've been to Chartres. Yeah. Actually, the I think background of my that. iPhone is a photo that I took in Chartres. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Yeah. I remember you saying mm-hmm. that. But it was awesome. Like I walked through the countryside of France and like in the pouring ass rain, I slept on the ground, just pouring, pouring, pouring rain. mud. It was awesome. You're actually like backpacking it. Uh huh. That's yeah. cool. And it was cool because like my literal first seeing Paris, I walked to it. Nice. And like I walked all the way right under the Eiffel Tower. That's very cool. To the to the end of the trip, but um. Yeah, that was one, and then Paris, I, underrated city. I'm I mean, totally I wouldn't kidding. go there it's, again. They were like, because we we were in like a group of literal like thousands of people in right. a big long line, and we had like American flags and state flags with us, and like that's all, neat. All the Parisians Sporting were like your your Montanan flag. Oh, you know, I did Montanian. <laughs> we did this on the last one, Montanite. Right, right. Montanian sounds like a <laughs> Mennonite or something. Pentecostal. How long was that trip? That one was 80 kilometers. So not crazy long, but we did it in three days. So that's kind of hauling ass. That's still a lot of walking. Yeah. And the other one 
was, I'm more proud of the other one. We did um, 200 kilometers on the Camino, which that took us quite a while more. But I want to do like the whole thing. It's like 500 miles. I didn't know that you were a a big hiker, walker person. Yeah. Backpacker. Oh, it was, I wish I still was. There's just nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go here in central Tennessee. I don't want to walk on pavement. Uh, all the time it's not great in the yeah. way people drive in this town oh yeah you'll die danger there were two people that got hit recently right out here on yep. west end right on yeah. west end avenue yeah one guy walked into the bar and was like i just got hit yep <laughs> i was like i do you need an alcohol <laughs> i wholeheartedly believe that my greatest fear as a human is being struck by a vehicle it's not because i'm not going to be watching right. where i'm going it's because you're not going to hear it some I'm either not going to hear it or some car is going to be not watching where they're going. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to get clocked because I think my favorite thing to say is what do people in Nashville love more than drinking and country music? Running red lights, not using their turn signals, turn signal for going 150 miles an hour on the interstate. Mm -hmm. It is like need for speed and grand theft auto and all of these (laughs) other things just meshed up into one. If people were just a tiny bit more like considerate, like let you merge, I mm-hmm. think we could really change this place. I hate having to argue through my windshield, like let me in, let me in, let right. me in. And people are just like you're you're in the zip drive and you're like you're getting to the end and they just won't pull over. I've started calling it I'm gonna Nashville this mm-hmm. where you just have to be aggressive and you have like, to be an aggressive driver to live you have here. to be that guy you have to be yeah. them because there's aggressive drivers who are just doing it so you don't get in front of them yeah for no other reason right. it's like are you in a hurry to get to work <laughs> will you be happy when you're at work like slow down and let me into the interstate man my other thing lately is i'm like well i'm already late i'm gonna stop and get that iced coffee <laughs> you know it's like mm, but i also cares? i've started keeping like a a thermos or like a real cup in my truck so that you just transfer so nobody knows that you actually stopped to get right. coffee. They're not, you know, you're like, oh, I, that they definitely nobody's gonna inspect. Yeah. That's actually a pretty inspect, smart move. Suspect. Ooh, let, we should do life hacks with Annalisa and Aaron. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what else do we not know? Um <laughs> I used to actually bring a flask to tour stop. Except it the, saves on money. The flask was filled with iced tea. So that that way, when somebody would ask me to do a shot with them, you I'd just it. be like, hey, I got mine. Yeah. And I would shoot iced tea because... That's smart. I, it's hard being at these shows sometimes. And you're a bartender. Do you ever have people asking to buy you shots? I mean, definitely. We're not supposed to, but <laughs> depending on the night, If we there's do. ever a bar that has a bartender that's like, oh, I definitely don't drink. Wink, 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 right. wink. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've all we've all been subject to it before. What Annalisa has never drank behind the bar. I've Jeffrey. never been drunk she has at my never, own establishment. Never done that. No, no. I, I don't really drink. <laughs> we always circle back to this. We do. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just glad that you're here. Me I too. I haven't gotten to just be with my friends in a long time. I just want to do a cool show. I say with my it friends. every time I do the show. That my favorite or the show. God, every time I do <laughs> this show, my favorite part of my job is that. The podcast, because it's an excuse to sit and talk to people. So we also talked about it on this other episode, which you did last summer of 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were one of the, I think you were the last episode I put out. 
before I put it on hold and focus more on this one. But what is your like, what, what's your purpose for being in Nashville? What is, what is it that, that lights the fire under your butt that makes you want to be here instead of home in Montana? Man, in a nutshell, I have days where I come completely off the rails and I despair. <laughs> I'm like, why am I here? You know, you're not talented enough. You're What's not good point? enough. What's the point? And then I remember all of the people in my hometown who gave a shit and like my dad and, uh, you know, so many people that like, they do believe in me. The naysayers. Yeah. And like, you know, th there's people and they've like, I just lost a very, very, very good friend on Friday and he believed in me the most. And so like, you know, I got to make him proud somehow. You got to make them proud. Yeah. And there's some, some of those people you want to stick it to them. Right. No, yeah. Less, less that, um, just cause I'm trying not to care what they think, but you know, fuck them. We but live in an industry <laughs> that's hard to ignore the opinions of other people. Yeah. I mean, for those of you listening who are hearing me and Annalisa talk about how there are some, shall we say, developing songwriters. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's we us. are still the, some of the developing songwriters to the people who are stars. Yeah. Like there's, there's a spectrum and all of, all of us fit into it somewhere, mm -hmm. but there's, I mean, let's be honest. There's people who have made it who are terrible. Right. And people who will never make it that are the best people in the world. I still like, I don't know. I still love the fact that I get to wake up and I get to go to a write with somebody that I've never written with. And, you know, yeah, it's a first date. Mm -hmm. You don't know how it's going to go, but. How what other place in the world do you sit down with a stranger and like heart to heart? Oh yeah, just I mean that ne that will never get you old. Bare your soul. Yeah, that's that's never going to get old. So that's uh that's that's great, and I think that's one of the reasons you and I started getting along well early on was because we had a a mutual understanding of some of the people like that we grew up with that really not that they didn't support it, but maybe they didn't understand yeah. what we what was inside of us that made us want to do this. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like a lot of us songwriters and creative types in general, it's not a, there's not an option. To yeah. Do there's no, else. there's no, it's a compulsion. Right. I want to write songs. I want to play shows. I mean, you're in my living room right now. I have four <laughs> guitar or three guitars and a ukulele on display. And that's only because I only have four hooks to hang. I've got six <laughs> more guitars in the bedroom. Do you really? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a compulsion. Yeah. It's, and I mean, this is a collection at this point. But I mean, at some point you have to either like accept it, take it about yourself or, mm -hmm. or do something else. Yeah. And I have had to be the person that has told people not to quit their day job. Yeah. And that's kind of hard sometimes seeing, seeing the starry eyed young kid who's ready to go. And I always try to say like, don't quit your day job right now mm -hmm. because health insurance is pretty sweet. Like paying your rent on time, really underrated. Yeah. It's pretty great having reliable stuff. But if you get to a point in your life where you can try, why not? Right. Why not? Like when I moved to Nashville, I was broke. <laughs> I had less than $1,000 to my name. Yeah. Savings, checking, everything was like, I think I had like $700. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even have, I couldn't have 
missed one paycheck because then I wouldn't have had enough money to pay rent. Like I was so piss poor and it was kind of that like, gosh, what's the, uh, what's the right word for it where I had no other option but to succeed. I mean, if perseverance I pretty much. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I didn't have another Do option. Do or die. There's no, yeah. Yeah. If you care about it enough, you can, mm-hmm. you can always go home, but. And I was talking about that not too long ago with, uh, I believe it was John Hollier about how when there's just something you care so deeply about, there's you'll do anything to make it work. Mm-hmm. I was working at a cupcake bakery and I had to go to work at three or four o'clock in the morning. I love that about you. I, when you told me that for the first time, I was like, that that's the kind of, when we're like 50 talking yep. about these days, you're going to be like, what did you do I to worked make in a it? bakery because I gave a shit. Yep. You know, I worked, I worked a terrible job waking up in the ass crack of dawn. Yes. Just the to make this actual work. ass crack yeah. of dawn. Well, you know, for lack of better words, like you are a fucking inspiration because you, you tour Thank stop you. tour stop is a growing thing, and it's it started with how many dollars in the bank, and like now you're growing and growing, yeah, and it's gonna be a huge thing. It's I hope. <laughs> hey, no, don't hope. It's gonna fucking happen. It's funny looking back at it, and it makes me really appreciate how because I still feel like I haven't really accomplished anything. But if I look at five years ago when I started it. I really have come quite a long ways. You haven't accomplished anything, but look at all of the friends that you have created, like it, for all of us, like my, you brought us all together. This neon sign You're right a behind gatherer. me, the tourist stop neon sign helped buy the tiny condo that I live in. Right. Totally. <laughs> You're like a shepherd. <laughs> a shepherd. Gathering us lost sheep. Actually, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I, want, I need a dog. I need a sheep dog. <laughs> Actually, that would be hilarious to get. To Just get bring the, a dog to every tour stop show. Yeah, I'll get a dog, and it can be the uh, mascot mm-hmm. of the show, and Honestly. then that'll just be there at everything. You know, like the little RCA dog <laughs> or whatever yeah. that thing was. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny though because it's hard to do stuff like that that you have to realize as songwriters. Like there are people using myself as an example, who are willing to go do that 4 a.m. shift mm-hmm. to be available to play anything or yeah. do anything that evening. And uh, it happened not too long ago where a songwriter asked to play. And what happened is I said, okay, well, sure, here's here's a date and a venue and a time that I have open. And this person said, well, I won't play if uh, either of these two people are on the show. And since they're uh, on that lineup, I'm not going to play. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They said, well, tell me any other dates that I can play, though. And I said, well, I'm not going to be making accommodations for that just because you have stipulations for it. Right. And there's people who are really shooting themselves in the foot because they're getting picky. Mm -hmm. And at this stage in our careers, we can't be picky. No. We have to be willing to do those rights that are far away and with new people and Eventually, you'll get to do the rights that are close to your house with the people you enjoy seeing. <laughs> but yeah, this is us cutting our teeth. Right. And this is this is the part of the documentary that people do want to watch. All documentaries are all story, 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 and they end at the stadium. Mm-hmm. The credits roll with the band right. playing in the stadium. Nobody talks about the middle part. Yeah. 
as people much. People want to see what right. we're doing now. They right. want to know. They basically want a playbook for how do I get to be successful? What are these other bands? What are these other artists? What are the other songwriters doing that got them there? Mm-hmm. And it's cool getting to see kind of like the pitfalls of other people's careers and be like, oh, shoot, well, I shouldn't do that. And now I know not to do that and I'll try this. And then maybe 30 years from now, someone's going to look and be like, oh, Annalise Rose did that. That worked. I'm going to try that. Do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what are some of the things you would recommend for people? Because you've been here for a few years. You're you're still relatively new, but you've got some some expertise. Do I, though? I would say so. I don't know. I think... (laughs) It's still a learning experience all the time. Um, but yeah, like I'm still cutting my teeth on plenty of stuff. I think it, the more you do stuff, the more confident you get. Like I can, I feel myself getting more confident in certain areas, but what would I, what would I tell somebody to do? Sure. I think, th- I think something that, that I would tell people is like learning the power of no yeah. And that's something that I've had to practice because people ask Tour Stop for shows all the time, but they say, oh, well, we don't have a sound system and we can't pay you anything and we won't serve your sponsors, but like, you'll still do the show, right? Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Because you just asked me to do my business for free. Mm-hmm. So learning the power of no is, I think, a good a good uh, thing that you can learn as a, a young person. In power town. of no utilizing your time wisely Mm -hmm. like i don't know don't like is that don't spread yourself too thin trying to to do too much like do do things thoughtfully thoughtfully meaningfully and yeah don't just don't go to bars seven nights a week right because you'll run out of money right you'll be hung over every morning right and then you're not gonna have any room for creative energy Mm -hmm. because you spent it all at the bar last night right i think it's cool too like especially when it's almost more meaningful when i see right certain writers that that don't come around as often because you know you look forward to those things i i don't know you don't want to oversaturate yourself too yeah oversaturate is a good word I think you don't also don't want to undersaturate yourself because people will forget who you are. Totally. And I feel bad saying that, but people will DM me on Instagram and I haven't seen or heard from them in years. Mm -hmm. And then that Taylor Swift song, I forgot that you existed, (laughs) comes into my head. I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you post about that the other day? I did. Yeah. Because I'm sorry that I haven't asked you to play. I literally forgot that you existed. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there's so many thousands of people here and you see them once a month. You don't realize that you haven't seen some of your best friends in In a a month. Yeah. Like I hung out with Brandon Ellis earlier today and he and I were talking about like, when was the last time we saw each other? It's like, oh, it was like a couple days. Oh, shoot. It was like five weeks ago, six (laughs) weeks ago. And there's people who you'll go months without seeing and you don't realize it. Yeah. Being an adult sucks. Being an adult sucks. It's expensive. (sighs) I was not prepared for all of this. <laughs> like, 
damn, okay, well, I got a flat tire. I can I can afford 150 mm. bucks for a new tire. And it's like, oh, damn, well, now I have to get a root canal, and there's $2,000. And just it just starts that, right? piling on and piling on. Speaking of tires, yeah, I literally just had to go down to the gas station this morning, throw like $10 worth of quarters in the machine because <laughs> an air compressor would have paid for itself by now, literally. I swear. But I ain't ready to buy tires right now. I... <laughs> I will go to a gas station chain called Quick Trip. Yeah. Because they have free... Free air. Free air. Everywhere in Montana has free air. And it's a... Yeah, same in Missouri. I don't understand. And it pisses me off. Yeah. It pisses my husband off. He's like, this country, air should be free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sucks having to go pay to get air in your tires. Yeah. Like, you can buy the, the air compressors from Walmart and stuff and do it yourself, but... Uh, I don't want to have to have an air compressor in my house. For I the- mean, not, yeah. When we buy you a mansion with a shop. Yes. I'll have a shop. I'll have <laughs> we'll a garage. Come over. Yes. Would Use you your- like another, would you like another bevy? I'm, yeah. Yeah. Well, here, while we uh, get a refresher here, we'll take a quick commercial break and come right back with an Asheville Tour Stop Podcast. <laughs> And we're back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. We've got a, a fresh brewski here. Cheers, Annalisa. Normally we Tears. clank clank them, but we're a little bit farther away than yeah. I'm used to. Uh, but this is considerably more comfortable than the uh, the padded studio. This really is, yeah. <laughs> Maybe someday s- I, I can buy a big, big mansion like you just mentioned. And this can be the studio. This whole house. This whole 600 square foot place can be the podcast studio. That actually would be a nice idea. I had never thought of that. I would have to not live here for that to be the thing, though. I've already got too much shit. My living room is very crowded right now. We're going to remember that one day when the documentary (laughs) part two comes out. (laughs) Be like, yeah, Aaron used to have a 600 square foot apartment. Tiny. Look at him now. I can't wait to Living have an address that doesn't end with APT number. Yeah. I would love to not have an yeah. apartment number in my address. You're going to live on like some country ass road, like old Granny Smith Lane or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to, I would like, I want to have an, a nice big, like I call them adult houses, like a grown up house. Right. I want to have a grown up house. But right now, <laughs> if I had a bigger house, I would be just slightly less crowded because I don't have that much stuff. You don't. You you look like a travel light kind of guy. I couldn't. I can pack. I, you're so self conscious. There's like six boxes in here, but I bet it's just like <laughs> they're just. Yeah, Amazon I really don't. Boxes. I don't have that much garbage. But the 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 little place that I've got here is is perfect for now, and it's mainly the reason I chose this place over getting another pl- like an actual grown up house is because I didn't want to have to live in bumfuck nowhereville mm-hmm. i wanted to be able to like go in and out of town pretty readily and even though i do live far away it's pretty nice not having to drive 35 minutes into town every time yeah like I don't blame franklin and brentwood and all of these areas are great but they're far it's true you and are in a good spot here i don't entertain here very often 
But that's why you're invited to my house next week. <laughs> yeah. So ooh, let's trees. talk about that. The uh, the annual, or I guess this is the second annual. Second annual. The second annual uh, Christmas tree burning. Mm-hmm. Just a big party outside. We did it last year, obviously, for the first time. And like, it was just so much fun. And this year is considerably larger. I've invited too many people. <laughs> we'll see if everyone shows. But um, Turned into a rager. Yeah. I don't know. My neighbors are pretty cool, so I think they won't mind the, the nice. noise. <laughs> but, yeah. Do you, did you get a keg? I'm considering it. I mean... I'm considering it. I'm also not considering it because... You you know, everyone would... You, it would be empty at the end. I think I'm just going to take people's keys this year. Yeah, that would be great. Like, this people that I should take their keys. <laughs> AKA all my friends. I went to one party last... Oh, no, gosh, it might have been two years ago for Halloween. A friend of mine got a full keg, like a big yeah. keg of yingling. Yeah. Not realizing that each keg in it has, like, it's like a hundred some, two hundred something beers in it. Depending on depending on if it's a full size keg. It was yeah, a there's about full size. What are they like? Eighteen inch, mm-hmm. eighteen inch kegs, and like what are they? Three t- like three yeah. feet tall. Yeah, big ass keg of Yingling. We'll get a we'll get and, a sixtal, a little pony keg, and uh, there's only about shit. There's probably only like fifty, sixty beers in there. The, you you don't realize the problem is they never pour good. If you get a, a hand pump. Mm-hmm. Trust me, we're all we all we all know. Yep. <laughs> we all know. Yes, we all know. Someday and when I'm big, I will have a kegerator made out of an <laughs> old little shitty mini fridge. That's the only problem with hand pumps is so much of it comes out is just foam. Right. Just foam. And But we still do it. We still we still, we do, still it. We'll do, do keg it. stands and chug foam. <laughs> I don't know. One day I'll be above that, but right uh, now. I'm, right now, I'm, I'm still willing to do it. Continuing to do that, I haven't done a keg stand in a couple of years, but I've I've been there. We used to do it uh, big time when I was uh, still skiing mm-hmm. in Colorado. I think that was one of the things that started telling my age a little bit. Was last time I did a keg stand, I got really bad heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is this? What is this pain? It's acid reflux, buddy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You don't realize how hard it is to drink with it pouring into your mouth like that this beer is excellent it is i the, forget how good this you is you got the extra easy mm-hmm. correct yeah this is the tennessee Brewworks extra easy uh english ale this is uh this is one of the ones that, that this used. brought us together basically really <laughs> i mean <laughs> all this beer so yeah, I, oh god, we got mad distracted. That's how we met. Was it Tennessee Brew Works? Yeah, I remember how it happened though. Why did we forget that? That is so. We're I think dumb. we're both ADHD. I think we're yeah. Or we're just like or goldfish. We're losing brain cells. <laughs> Sorry to the people who are listening to this, and they're like, they have changed topic like forty times. But I was sitting outside on the patio reading "To Kill a Mockingbird," <laughs> and you asked me about it. I had seen you. Several times, um, just chilling on the patio, reading your book, drinking your beer. And at one point, I was like, there's something to this guy. Because he's always here. He's always here. And he's but he is so content. And he is just reading a book. And I'm like, I appreciate a guy that's reading first off at all. And secondly, an American (laughs) classic. And then and now we're I, I feel like I interrupted you and I was like, listen, man, what is your deal? I feel like 
the interruption was welcomed. And then I think we just sat there and talked. And then I like got yep. off work and we just drank more. Yeah, I was like, do you want to have a beer? And yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's it I, it's like the great the right equalizer. Thing to do. It was it was a soul connection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, could it's have hard, been the beer. It's hard making meaningful friendships in town. I've got I was looking at my like Instagram followers earlier because mm-hmm. I was trying to filter out some of the people I don't know and like just spam accounts and whatever. Yeah. And I started going through and I was like, God, I know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And most of them are just, I mean, the thousands of them are just people who I've met a few times. I see mm-hmm. them at po- like shows and parties and everything every now and then. But then you start thinking, okay, who are my like quality friends? Yeah. And I started saying like, well, I'd rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies or 10 dimes than a hundred yeah. pennies. Cause you start having good friendships it's it's i mean that's my favorite feeling in the world to be honest like the almost gratitude that you feel when you can look at your life and you've got so many so many friends not Mm -hmm. just like real quality friendships for sure but also just people that you look through your followers or whatever and you're like i know these people yep for some reason or other and like you know, it I, love that. You, I love that feeling. It makes you wonder, like, why do we become friends with certain people and not others? Mm-hmm. And I've always thought it was easier to be friends with people who just wanted to sit and talk. Because some people have to go out and do things. They need to be actively involved in some kind of a activity. Yeah. But I would so much rather sit and pick your brain and hear what you want to talk about. That's why songwriting and co-writing really came easily to me was because yeah sure i've never met you before i'll open up yeah let's write a song about this weird experience i had with a girl on a date right well i and i like that too like especially with songwriting like when you're in the room and my favorite thing to do is i I always try to be the devil's advocate Mm -hmm. that's like i think that's one of my stronger suits or i'm trying to make it into one is like i want to pick your brain i want to make you think of every angle of why, you know, how can we tell this story to, to the like best details? I don't know. There's I, people don't ask enough questions. People just want to, they want to talk. Yeah. They don't want to inquire. I love friendships where the people allow you to. That's to why lit, when I was to, hanging know, out with uh Brandon this morning, uh, I sat and it felt like I was interrogating him. Because I was just so, I haven't seen him in so long and he's had so much happen. Yeah. I wanted to know everything. Yeah. And it didn't feel like I was just like probing him, asking questions, but I had so many things I wanted to know about. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of one of his stories, he goes, man, I got to stop. I got to stop talking about myself. Let me ask about you. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I know. It's yeah. like, oh, this is how conversations go. Thoughtful people. Thoughtful people. Yeah. They want to engage like that. And that's one reason I try to not have just bar friendships or just bar relationships with people is because, sure, it's great to run into somebody at the local and we talk and we have the 30-second conversation about how's the music, how's the family, how's the yada, 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 and then they're gone. It's over. Small talk. It's transactional conversation, but it's really – it's so much more fun to do stuff like what we're doing right now where you get to figure out like – why you're here instead of just that you are here. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about more about why you're here. 
and I didn't want it to be interviewee. <laughs> but let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about songwriting a little bit. When did yeah. that come into the picture? When did you get into into music? Um, I mean, very long story short, I started writing when I was fourteen ish, and that's was like, guitar the first instrument? Guitar was my third instrument oh, at okay. that point. I never had really. I bought one when I was fourteen, and I just kind of taught myself to play, and um. Yeah, like I loved literature. I loved um, English as a, a kid. And so I was always into creative writing and, and I thought I wanted to be like in journalism or something like that. And then, I don't know, music was always a, a love of my life. And so the two just paired together and I figured mm -hmm. out, oh, you know, I can do this. So. Do you remember the name of the first song you ever wrote? I don't. You don't? I don't. Um it's so I think I have it in a in a notebook somewhere but it's so funny thinking about that because a lot of people like myself are really tied to that first song really and some people I guess like you just it was just the first one and then everything after yeah. kind of got the ball rolling yeah that first song that I wrote was called the day before and in my bedroom in the back it's funny because my drummer from the band that I was in when I was 16 found the lyric sheet to oh, that song sure. That's when cool. his family moved out of their house that he grew up in. He, I hadn't seen him in years and he texted me long after I had moved to Nashville. He's like, Hey dude, I found something at the house, uh, down in the basement where we used to rehearse. He's like, found something. I think you want it. I just want you to be surprised. I'm going to mail it to you. And I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like a poster from one of our shows or an old CD. And he literally, hard mailed like like so it wouldn't get crinkled yeah yeah he sent me a hard package of the of paper the i like ripped out with the lyrics of my first song that's awesome for our first band practice yeah then i framed it and put it in my room oh that's really it's cool like, it's it, it it's a reminder of like where i started yeah never despise meager beginnings like right. that's badass reading the reading the lyrics they're terrible Oh, for, they're absolutely <laughs> mine were, terrible. Mine were terrible back then. But it's funny listening to it now because it's on Spotify. That first song I ever wrote is released. And it's, it's out. It's out. But I won't go listen. I'm going to go listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For those of you who would like to listen to Aaron Shilb's first song, it's under a band called Lot 56. And that's what the album's called. The, the cover is my friend's Sharpie drawing of L56. That's and cool. it's called The Day Before. All right. Laura Davis, if you're listening, I wrote it about you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. The girl that I wrote it about, I had a crush on her in high school and uh, she's married now and everything. And uh, that's that's the tale as old as time. <laughs> I fall in love with a girl and then she gets married. <laughs> I am good luck, Chuck. <laughs> not Hey, that's that's not the end of the, the road there for you, mm -hmm. you know? I think I started writing so young that like all that stuff was just absolute garbage. Was there and, a, was there like a com like like a reason like a compulsion or was it like you just had these feelings you didn't know how to? It was a otherwise? lot of that. It was a lot of just teenage angst. Let it, you know. I would I, love I, to I hear teenage angst on Elisa songs. Man, I'll dig them out. <laughs> I, I have them in boxes somewhere, but um, yeah, it wasn't about anything serious I, I, the only song i remember that i think was probably 
more like my first song I was proud of mm-hmm. was a song that I entered in a songwriter contest in Montana and it didn't place whatsoever. And I was, um, I think I was 24 and, and I was really proud of it. I thought I was going to do well. And then the next year I went back and I won the whole thing. That's cool. And so, but it was like, you know, it was a good, it was a good shot in the arm. It was like, yeah, this sucked. You thought this was good. And then, you know, I spent the whole next year trying to write better, and then I got to win the whole thing next the year after. It's proof that and, you're you're doing something that's more universally like a- applicable rather than just this song's just for me. Right, right. Well, and I didn't know anything about how to even write a good song from a, a listener's perspective because mm-hmm. I was definitely just writing like emotional girl shit. Right. But we had to do that, I guess. You yeah, know. We all have to write those songs to to get to the place where you can start yeah. writing more objectively, if yeah. you will. Uh, some of the best songwriting advice I got when I first moved to Nashville, uh, I still apply it to my writing today, is uh, show it, don't say it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that that means like don't don't say the shirt was blue yeah. or whatever the sky was blue use use a metaphorical descriptor to be like the sky looked sad or something yep. so you can you can infer and you're not telling somebody what they have to see but right. then they can apply their feelings to whatever it was so word pictures yeah word yeah. pictures and no i love it, that it's so cool kind of hearing these little tidbits of songwriting advice from everybody over the years because it really does make you a better writer Mm -hmm. and it it helps you not just focus only on yourself because then you can apply your situation to maybe somebody else feels like this too but how do I make it more I don't want to say generalized but how can I make it more applicable to what they might be feeling as well I guess it depends on I've I've tried this new system (laughs) because so many times I feel like I've gone into rights where you get lost in the, the direction, like the task at hand. So mm-hmm. like my new thing that I'm trying to do is just really be upfront kind of and get caught say, in the weeds. right. But like, say, what is our trajectory? Are we writing for you today? Are we writing for me today? Are we writing for radio today? Are we, you know, what, Instead of just getting lost in some truck song, I think I think you're right. You Having know? a destination that yeah. you need to arrive at right. is a is I, th- I would say it's a better practice for writing mm-hmm. because it's really hard to go to a write and people are just like, well, let's just start with the first line, first verse. I'm like, why? I don't I don't know where to go there's yeah. a thousand roads that this line could take us yeah. down but if you have a hook of a song or a title of a song that you can land at then you just focus on this one road that you can get to to yeah. get to that place and trying to, that, trying that helps to inform quote, my writing way more than anything else speak to i say that a lot i guess everyone does like you're trying to speak to the hook right mm-hmm. or shit gets so messy if you don't it, I guess. it does, and it's it's really easy to write a bad song. Yeah. It's almost impossible to write a good song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
We we've only heard thousands of bad songs since we've been in town. Just, I've only written just a couple, several hundred bad songs. They're mostly mine. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. You're great. I wouldn't book you Thanks. if I didn't believe you. Stop it. <laughs> it's a uh, it's one of the great great uh, bonuses of my work of my job is that I get to see my friends progress, and or not, <laughs> or not. I get to see my friends literally grow as creatives. Yeah. And it's so much fun hearing them play that song that for the first time you see them play it and they see the audience receive it. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, "Mm, there it is. I did that. Yeah. It's cool seeing that happen because it's so hard to connect with an audience. And as soon as you taste that one time, you want it. You will never get anything else that satisfies you quite the same. Mm -hmm. And I love love seeing that happen for people. I mean, also, like, you're our our godfather. (laughs) We want to make you proud. I think that's cool, too. Like, we all have grown together. You grow. Mm -hmm. I watched you grow in the last couple years. Like, we're not at Belcourt. I... I... (laughs) I really try to stay humble about my work. I know that for for a few of the places that I get to to host shows, I'm kind of a gatekeeper. Yeah. But I really don't try to I don't want to let it get to my head. I always want to you remember don't. how I felt when I first moved here. Yeah. Which was lost and friendless yeah. and had nothing to offer. And nobody cared that Aaron was there. Mm-hmm. And I try to bring that mindset to my shows now. So if somebody does come that has nothing to offer and has nothing that I need, don't look at it. What can they give me? I look at it. What can I give to them? Yeah. And what I can give to them, even if it's not a show right away, it's my friendship. Because sometimes all you need yeah. is just one person somebody. to make you feel like, okay, just that guy was nice. I might meet another nice person here next time. Mm-hmm. It's cool getting to be that. I would so much rather that be my legacy than huge concert promoter. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Absolutely. I had this girl the other day come up and just very intensely, almost over the top was like, because we we were talking about, you know, potentially playing a show with Montana Mess and she was just over the top. And I'm like thinking to myself you know calm it down just a little bit but then i'm like man it, i would have done the same thing mm-hmm. like you have to learn to reel it in a little yeah, bit yeah yeah and that's hard you know how do you tell people that you don't you just let them my best <laughs> my best advice for young people trying to get involved is don't don't ask for things offer something first yeah and if all you have to offer is can i carry that box to your car yeah sure if you don't even have that, it's like, I'll give you an hour of my time. Come hang out and just support the thing that I think is cool. Yeah. And it's so it fun. Shows, it shows people's effort is our time is so valuable. And if someone gives you their time, then that that means the world to me. Don't ever believe your time's not valuable. Everyone's time is valuable. Yeah. Because, I mean, honestly, I love my job. I would so much rather be sitting right here watching that TV, <laughs> drinking this beer. Yeah talking to nobody else yeah that's my second favorite thing to do right 
Actually, my favorite thing to do is nothing, which is generally falling asleep and napping. Also very also pretty important. great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so cool getting to to be part of this greater thing that's happening in town. And if I get to be a conduit to help somebody get involved, that's cool. It's I mean it's uh it's it's validating knowing that I have my place and I get to contribute to a bigger thing. Yeah. And then everyone else can find their place and contribute to the next thing. Me and uh my co-bander Melissa we started writing a song I mean, it's just a simple, simple phrase, simple idea, but it's like when creeks will rise, all paper boats will sail. Wow. And like, we're all just little paper boats, you know? That's and cool. Like, Who did you write that with? Just, just me and Melissa. That was yeah. Cool. It's not even done yet, <laughs> but we, we started it. And I mean, I just, it's true. I know when my friends do good, like I want to hopefully rise with them i'm gonna be holding on to their ankles screaming (laughs) but whatever i want to see everybody do good what are some of the other songs that you've written that you're proud of right now oh man let me think about that Um, you kind of do have to go through the catalog yeah now i'm like what's in my set list i don't even know um i'm always very very proud of the song that uh i wrote about my dad like with my dad um i wrote that with melissa ferret too and it, we wrote it like right after we moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. It's just about my dad helping me move and like, you know, not wanting to say goodbye, essentially. Um, that one always like really connects with the audience in a in a cool way. I want to put that song out, but that's one. Um, what else? I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> yeah, I can't even think of my own song. It's, it's hard self-evaluating. Yeah. And that's why it's so cool being songwriters that we are is we get to play and we get an immediacy that if an audience reacts to it, we know that we've made a connection. Mm -hmm. And it's hard doing that kind of a thing with, shall we say, traditional songwriting. It's a little easier for me when I do my funny songs because if I set up a joke and a punchline and they laugh. Yeah, then you're ready. It's immediate. I know when I know when the reaction is supposed to come yeah but if you deliver a hook of a regular song you could really sing it two or three times before an audience kind of gets it mm-hmm. and it's hard waiting being, for that reaction exactly. or not getting it at all or it's hard to do something that you believe in and then an audience doesn't get it yeah doesn't get it and i mean i've had that same reaction with funny songs but do you feel like it's also hard when you've got your handful of like front runner songs that you do all the time and they're like you're almost too close to them mm-hmm. and you don't even know if they're good anymore yeah or are we're good at all yep like i played the uh, don't invite me to your wedding song yeah i play that every time i perform in nashville it lands every time i perform it here yeah and i played it up in columbia missouri my hometown didn't land <laughs> nobody liked it and i'm sitting there like that's one of my best songs yeah like, Everyone, everyone, everywhere else I've played it has laughed. It's so interesting, especially when you play like your home state or whatever, and and it it's doesn't hard. resonate in the same way. Like the uh, the friend of mine that came to watch that show, uh, he texted me. I was doing a round with another one of my friends uh, in that bar in Columbia. So I played that song, and then while the other girl was playing, 
my friend texted me and I had my phone on the little clip in mm-hmm. front of the mic and he just sent me that grimacing emoji and he's and then he did the whole like maybe bring it down a notch hand <laughs> motion and I was like Jesus you don't like that yeah like I'm playing on a the, the the place was literally called Dive Bar. That's the name of it. That's the name of the bar. Wow. It's called Dive Bar. It's like, man, if they were it, really creative that day. Yeah, it was like if a band or if a place called Dive Bar is not into my goofy, dumb jokes, like, man, I don't know what is. <laughs> so, with songwriting being a gosh, a forefront of your life now. What's uh, what's life like for you outside of uh, the arts? You just got married not too long ago, I, right? Yeah, I've been married since June. So, and my husband just moved to Nashville um, full time. So maybe that's finally, what I'm thinking. Yeah, we're finally like together in the same house. Because you'd been separate like uh, with we've, we've dis- been long you'd been distance, long distance yeah. for like two years, right? Yeah, that's insane. But it's been even longer than that. I think it was like three years, but. Yeah, yeah, I don't, it's not for the faint of heart, I'll say <laughs> that, um, but it's been cool and it's like, we're kind of just, I don't know, I'm I'm newly married. It's like a whole different world. Does and that make you feel like you, you're a little bit of a grown up? You're like, oh crap, like I'm married. It makes me feel like a grown up and also makes me feel like I am a kid and I know nothing at all. <laughs> Um, you know, some days I'm like, God, I feel like I've been married for 60 years. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he feels the same way. But um, some days, yeah, it's cool. It's it's really been like a fun adventure because he's he's not really familiar with Nashville as much as I am, mm-hmm. and like not a not a musician or a he's not a musician, and so I love that about him because you know we're very different in that way, and um. It's nice. He, ba- you, he balances me out. You're both from Montana, correct? Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> He's from South Africa, but we Whoa, met. Whoa, so we, n- very not. Yeah, very, very not. Very not U.S. We met in Montana, though. Okay. So, yeah. And then we were dating, and I moved to Nashville. and. So you grew up in Montana then? Mm-hmm. What yep. part? Western. Tiny okay. town called Stevensville. Okay. Yeah. I've never been up there, so I don't know anything about Montana. We're going. <laughs> I'm gonna take you. Is uh, is it anything like the Yellowstone no, TV show? You don't want me to talk about. Who'd have that? guessed? <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw you post on Instagram or Facebook about this big winter storm that we had back around Christmas, and it was like, if all of you guys who love Yellowstone are complaining about how cold it is right here, yeah, you do not actually want to live don't. in Montana. No, and I think that um, because this winter in particular. Montana's had like a hell of a winter mm-hmm. with like it was colder than Antarctica at one point. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think that a lot of people that moved to Montana just from watching the show are probably now moving out, hopefully, well, because it's just been an influx. What was it like growing up in a place where music wasn't the whole world? Um, we're spoiled here in Nashville, yeah, incredibly spoiled. Um, Slowly but surely, I think over the last 10, 15 years, the Montana music scene is slowly becoming more of a thing. But like, it was cool in my earlier 20s. There's only like a handful of songwriters and you all, we're all spread all over the state. And so songwriter festivals would like bring us together and it's cool. And you get to know everybody. And that's what's cool too. Like I made some of my closest friends because there's not many of us. And so... (laughs) 
but yeah, you're like kind of starved. You're kind of starved for that kind of connection that we are so lucky to have here all the time on a daily basis. We we do get spoiled here. We're just in a town of empaths. Right. <clears throat> and um, you don't have that on the daily. But I came to appreciate it more. Not here. I'll, I'll correct to say I still come to appreciate it more every time I leave town. Mm-hmm. Because I try to go see music uh, anywhere that I go. Yeah. I would like I want I want to be involved, know kind of what's going on out of our bubble. Mm-hmm. And it really makes me appreciate seeing music here more because we kind of get glassy eyed over saying, oh, there's another songwriter around. Yeah. Like, oh, it's another band playing another show. Almost everyone here is talented. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes going to Northwest Arkansas and seeing a band play and you're like, oh, you are the, you are an Arkansas band. Yeah. And these people who are just vibing with it, they love it because they don't, they don't know any different. They don't know. Yeah. And that's why people from all over the country and all over the world come to Nashville is because everyone here is just so dang talented. It's true. We're, and we're like spoiled as hell. Mm Mm-hmm. And quickly we, spoiled as hell. We 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 have it good. Yeah. I'm pretty happy that we were me and the Montana girls were playing um in Pigeon Forge at that listening room just last weekend. And we went to this little little local bar that we found called the Gnome or something. Wow. And, and um there was this like rock Irish rock band kind of thing setting up and we were sitting there thinking with our pretentious Nas- Nashville selves. We were like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's see what this shit is. And they were bad fucking ass. Like, nice. You know, it's nice to know that even, good shit exists. There's outside good shit of here. everywhere else. We're not just pretentious Nashville people that right. think that we're everything. So let's talk about uh, the Montana girls. Yeah. Uh, you are a founding member of the Montana mess. I am one of the founding Can you- fathers. Can you tell us what the Montana mess is? Um, we are a bunch of misfits. Um, <laughs> we started from playing a 90s country show and we were just hanging out doing cover songs. Mm-hmm. And then we it, it became more and more popular and we decided that we wanted to work on our harmonies. We were all writing together anyway. And so who's the who's in the core group? Right now, we've got me, Melissa Ferret, Jarrah Ward, and Sky Hillman, and um, we've been busy. Like we've been putting some work in lately to really focus on it as a project and like learning harmonies. That's been it's cool getting to see the growth of it because I remember seeing you all get billed separately on posters, and yeah. now I'm seeing you build as yeah as. The mess, mm-hmm. the, the Montana it's mess. It's been cool over the last year just since – because we basically started last February, so it's almost been a whole year. You're that, like a band that's not a band. Right. We're kind of – but we're trying to focus now on like, no, we're a band. And, you know, we get – we've gotten more invites to do things as a group than a than lot of us separately. And and there's – you know, that's kind of a double-edged thing. But why the hell not? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not – I'm not offended that it wasn't me personally. Like I get to sing songs with my friends. Because you're part of this thing that's bigger than yourself. Now. Yeah. And and it wouldn't be the same without you. Right. So it's 
it's a cool thing. We're le- we're learning a lot, and it's you know we're learning like business side of things. We're trying to create a brand. All the little stuff that you've already been through. It's with it's tour a, stop. Yeah, it's the uh, the growing pains of trying to start something. Mm-hmm. But I like five it. years it's down been, the road, it'll be great. It's been really fun, and we we have a lot of fun talking through that stuff. It's exciting and like it's fun because it's in get, the it's, it's like co-writing but for a business. Yeah. You're like what colors are we going to yeah. use? It's what fonts are we using? The Dreamworks stage and you know that'll be part of our documentary too. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm excited to see what what we do, you know, with it in the future. Um I don't know. It's cool. That's yeah. a it's a cool thing, and that's one of the reasons why I love Nashville is that collaboration is such an integral part of our community. Mm-hmm. It's so much about what can we do together, and less of what can I do by myself. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think Nashville specifically excels in, because there's so many creative hubs in the world, and the United States got New York, L.A., Chicago, Austin. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of these places, but people come to Nashville specifically to collaborate yeah. and to write songs with other people. And sure, of course, co-writing exists elsewhere and collaboration exists elsewhere, but it's the, not the same caliber. Exactly. Yeah. The volume with which it happens in Nashville is incredible. That's what was really tough. That's also like hugely why I wanted to, to be here and leave Montana is because that pool is so much smaller, so much smaller. I mean, I'm sure you don't you don't just find songwriters in Missouri every there was, day. There was like seven of us. Yeah, same. Montana is probably like ten. So I'm yep. just kidding. <laughs> there's 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 there really was not that much happened. There was there were seven of us. One guy played a guitar that had three strings. Like, yeah, that was what we had to deal with. It's hard to get strings in Missouri. Yeah, and yeah. it it kind of made me feel <laughs> bad when I was younger because I I really had it in my head. I was like. I God, I am the best songwriter here. Yeah. And like what who am I to say I am the best songwriter here? But then it's people like us that think that like okay, I have to go somewhere where you get knocked down. You get knocked down as much as you can. And, and then yeah. you build it back up. Right. And then you become the best at whatever it is that you do. And that's something that I think is great about living here is even though it, it's hard seeing these incredible guitar players or these incredible songwriters, but it makes you want to be better. It does. And if you don't see people that want to make you better, you might not get better. I think too, like in that same vein, it's hard to find, again, I've said this about you, like you champion people. You're really good at it. It's hard to find friends or peers or whatever you want to call them that give you that space to like to grow to grow and support you at the same time mm-hmm. and yeah it's this town is especially tough on your soul as far as like feeling supported sometimes right um you don't need to hear compliments from the audience you need to hear compliments from your friends i think that that's a great point hearing hearing that your friend likes your song yeah Makes you feel so good. It's so much better than hearing it from a stranger, really. Yep. Yeah. Because your friend might know your previous work. Yeah. Your friend might know that you've been really trying to improve. And when your friends say something like that, it really sticks. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's that, it's that childhood trauma we all got, you know? <laughs> yeah. Annalisa, tell us where we can find you on the internet. Tell us where we can find the stuff that you do. Well, you can follow me personally at Songsmithy on Instagram. The Songsmithy. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of dumb stuff that I do on there. I got mm-hmm. truck rants only. I got, you know, the Nashville weather report, all Hell kinds yeah. of dumb stuff. And then you can follow Montana Mess as well. Follow the mess. Yeah, come see the them. Mess. Uh, come see them live. Watch Annalisa live. Uh, come grab a beer from her at the local sometime. <laughs> yeah. She's there from hi. time to time. I uh, we have we have a bunch of Montana Mess shows coming up. Doing nineties uh, country brunch again. Sweet. Soon. That'll be dope. Yeah. That will be. I mean, I know where I'll go. I mean, it's it's at Live Oak on Sundays throughout the summer. So, yes, it is. Yeah. Well, Annalisa, thank you for being here. Uh, I would like to ask you one more question before yes. we close out. Can you give the uh, the listeners of this week's pod a a short elevator pitch description of your sound, your music? What would what would you like to leave people with on uh, what they might hear at your shows? Wow. Okay. Short pitch. What I would like to what I would like to be when I grow up, what I would like to sound like is if, if L King and Marin Morris and Eric church and Loretta Lynn and Lana Del Rey had a baby. That's a good mix of modern and uh, classic. Yeah. I, and I, I don't know. It's hard to say, like, it's hard to define yourself, but I'm just, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> whatever. I happens, sound like happens. the color black. well Annalisa thank you for joining us this week on the podcast Uh, please do subscribe to our podcast here remember to rate five stars or if you hate it give us a one star people love to see that shit too (laughs) but uh, give us a rating leave us a review share us with your friends Uh, we do have the podcast patreon available now if you'd like to support the NTS pod help us uh, get into another studio instead of and maybe I should do a hashtag, get me out of my living room. Also, yeah. Let's do that. Even though it's cozy in here, but like, we need an <laughs> office again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want to have to, I don't want to eventually have to have like really big deal interviews with like, oh, Marin Morris wants to be on the podcast. Yeah. Welcome to my home. Yep. Yeah. But she'd be fine. Yep. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we could talk about Belcourt. Right. Right. <laughs> But uh, please do support the pod if you feel so inclined. Uh, follow us on social media at Nashville Tour Stop and find us at NashvilleTourStop.com on the web. We've got our whole live event calendar there. You can keep up with the places we're playing, songs we're singing, and drinks we're slinging. <laughs> Woo! So until the next time, please remember that all roads lead right here to, to the, the Nashville, Nashville Tour, Tour Stop. Stop.